Hey, this is your good friend Benny at the Business of Comedy. As always, I want to thank our good friend D Rex for the opening track, Quarterback. You can find D Rex at domosaurusrex.com. That's D O M O S O U R. U-S-R-E-X.com. And you can find the business of comedy at the bizofcom.com. That's B-I-Z-O-F-C-O-M.com. Now let's get to work. Hey, this is your good friend Benny on the business of comedy. Today we're going to be interviewing Dave Nelson. He is an established comedian of an ambiguous amount of time, and we'll get into that for a little while. He's from I think, Kansas. I think established, established is kind of very, um, very generous. I, I consider myself like the pro-am he's the He's the pro-am of comedy. He's from Kansas City, Missouri. He hangs out in Valdosta, Georgia, where he's a professor of communications at an ambiguous college. Uh, he's got a couple of events coming up. You might look for him in Tallahassee on Wednesday at Bro. Bird's Oyster Shack or the Back Porch in Pensacola on Friday. Uh, he's going to be at a house party in Alabama on Saturday. And he's got a couple of other great projects that attracted me to Dave and made me aware of him. First of which is a podcast called Comedy A Go-Go that you can find on iTunes. He's also got something called Fake Advice for New Comics on Twitter, hashtag Fake, fake Advice for New Comics. And you can find him on Twitter at HeySnowflake. And on Facebook at Comedy A Go Go, and on Instagram, just a professor. Dave, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Dave, uh, there's so many things as we talked about in the pre-interview that I'm dying to ask you about, both as a comedian and as a podcaster. But I'll give you the obligatory question. You know, how did how did this all happen? You know, how did we get to where we are today? How did you start? Okay, it's, it's it's a little bit of a story. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's got a story, right? I mean, the guy on the corner begging for money or whatever. But um, my story is uh, when I was in graduate school, uh, one of the conversations I would have with one of my buddies is, um, man, I'd love to do stand-up comedy because I did it like in the 1900s when I was an undergraduate. And life got in the way. I started playing in bands. I was a debater. And so... I did comedy for about a couple months, maybe a little bit longer. And then, you know, like I said, life got in the way, graduate, you know, job, blah, blah, blah. And so one of the things that it was a discussion I had with my buddies, like, man, I'd still like, I'd like to try it, see if I could do it. And I got a job at a university close to Kansas City, and I knew where there was a mic at at a comedy club. Um, and so... I was talking to a buddy that worked at the same institution I did. And the discussion was, you know what? I want to do this. And I was finishing up my dissertation. I said, as soon as I finish up my dissertation, I'm going to do stand-up comedy again. And instead of, it, it, one of my pet peeves is people who talk it just don't do it. Sure. So I kind of, I, I, you know, you put it out to that world, that kind of cheesy, I don't know, motivational people thing. But I made it. And then I, I also got together with a friend. I said, well, you want to do it? He's like, yeah. So, like, the nerd academic in me is like, well, I got to research it. And I, and one of the things, I went to the mic and I watched them for a couple of months. I said, well, if I could be, like, at least in the 50th percentile of funny up there, like, I don't have to be the best, but I don't want to be the worst. Right. You know, and then watch it. I'm like, I, I can do it. And I've got, you know, debate background. I play in band. So, being on the stage is, you know, and I think being on the stage as a comedian is totally different than being on stage as a 
musician, but, you know, stage fright was not an issue. And uh got up there and did it. And I think most people's first time on stage, the story everybody tells, there's a, there's a lot of similarities. And uh, my, I got some laughs, enough encouragement to come back. And then I did, I'm like, all right, came back the next week and then just ate, ate it. I, you know, just ate, ate a big dick on stage. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still intriguing enough because it was challenging and it wasn't easy. And uh, I've been hitting mics and I'm performing ever since. And, and what do you think it is about your personality or the lifestyle or the art that attracted you to doing it in the first place? Um, as compared to, you're seeing, you see a lot of ex-musicians or people who used to play in bands do this. Um, you know, Joe Sib out in L.A., um, JT Haverstaff has a lot of ex-punk rock guys, and he used to play in a band. Um, he's on stand-up records um, doing, I don't know, kind of like humorous stories or stand-up. It's, you don't, you don't have to worry. The only person you have to worry about doing their job is yourself. Right. It's kind of that cool aspect of it. Um, we're all kind of performing horrors in some form or fashion. Uh, my drive is I'm fascinated by the process. I like what do you, the process what you, of take, taking yeah, an ahead. idea, taking an idea and seeing if it's going to work or why doesn't that work, analyzing it, and then either going, yeah, that was a bad idea or fixing it and going from there. That's that's a really interesting response because there's a number of people I've talked to who have said exactly that. It's the the challenge. There was another comedian I interviewed named Loy Lee. He said the same thing. He loved the challenge of taking a concept and then educating himself about it. And, and the process he went through is he would take a concept, research it, and then he started writing essays on that concept, not to share or publish, but he would just start writing about everything he knew about something. And from there, he would say, you know, find the funny, right? Find the things that were incongruent or unique or interesting and try to build on those. And to him, it was like, that was the payoff, that process and the, the stand-up. Sorry, go ahead. No, I apologize for interrupting. Case in point is like, people see, like you, Bill Burr just dropped a special on Netflix. Right. Now I I have, it's in my queue. You have to watch it. I'll probably, I don't know. I'll see it here probably in the next week or so. I was watching it with my uh, son last night for the first 10 minutes till my wife made me turn it off. So the first 10 minutes are great. (laughs) But like, let's let's, let's take his last special, which I have seen, the one that's all in the black and white. And when I watch that, like on face value, if you have no idea how like, and I always use this word, how the sausage is made, how does Bill Burr get from an idea concept and then take it to fruition to like where it's ready to be recorded for special? Is, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on and there's times where it doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. I think people see like the Bill Burr stuff, the finished special, any comedian fill in the blank. Um, and think, Oh, it's easy. I can do up. They're just going up there talking. I'm funny. Bill says I'm funny over at the water cooler during right. you know, on, on meet up Fridays. And it's a lot more than that. I, I, I run a, I produce a show down here and the last one I did was, uh, I think it was the night that crazy ass weather was coming through the South. You remember it was like supposed yep. to be hail and all that yep. shit. And so yep. it's Absolutely. Of, and there was some some people down there and they go, I want to do it. And they go, I'll give you 300 bucks. I'm like, this is not a mic. This is, you know, I had, I had a touring comic on it and some, some other people, you know, uh, regional comedians. People and, were offering to pay you $300 to get on stage. Right. And Dave, in the future, yeah. take the money. <laughs> but, uh, well, the, the thing is, is that's just not how it works, right? right, right There's right. a principal aspect of it, and I'm not Mr. Virtuoso, Mr. Virtuoso yeah. by any stretch of the means. But eventually, the the venue, the manager of the place says, 
what do you think? I'm like, well, if I have some more time, let's just do it. And then we'll throw them on at the end. Cause I do three comic, you know, you do like a three comic show and then I have yeah. a band afterwards. So I didn't want to cut into the band's time. And so he paid. So I'm like, well, some of the band got the money and everybody else to perform. And he just ate a big dick. And he goes, this is a lot harder than I thought. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> can I cut on this many? Absolutely. I ask, hey, I hey, said, you no know shit. what, Dave? Fuck yeah. Yeah. So that's always the question you get. Can I curse? And you're like, ah, forget to say. But, um, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was in total douchebag. So I'm like, oh, it's, it's a lot difficult. People just think you get up there and just talk. And so, yeah. I'm fascinated by the process to where it becomes finished. And then, you know, to some extent, it's not, some of the bits are never finished. Right. You know, there's a couple jumping off points here. I wanted to finish what I was saying about Loy, uh, which I think was fascinating, is to him, my interpretation of what he shared with me when I interviewed him was that to him, the fascinating part was the creating and the writing and the crafting. And the performance is almost like a validation. If you think of an experiment, you know, you go through and you get the, the test and then you see the results. And he's like, yeah, that did work or didn't work. And he goes back and adjusts it. But the other thing that you said that was really interesting was, you know, people who don't know how the sausage is made and how easy they think. And I'll tell you a shameful secret about myself. Before I started doing stand-up, I thought I'll probably be so good at this that I will discourage the other comedians and make them mm-hmm. feel bad when they feel find out that it was my first open mic ever. So I need to be gracious and careful about it when that happens. And at the end of my first open mic, someone came up to me and said, was that your first time? I said, oh, yeah, it was. Like he was going to you know, high-five me or something. He goes, well, it wasn't very good, uh, but you should stick with it. <laughs> you might get better. <laughs> The, the, the final point I want to share with you is I watched an interview uh, or an analysis of Louis C.K. And again, you're talking about how the sausage gets made and how easy it looks. He said one of his secrets is it looks like he doesn't really know where he's going. And he's kind of just talking like, oh, yeah, I thought of this thing or whatever. He said it's all written down, crafted, thought out, edited, practiced, counted, timed over and over again. And the magic is when it looks like it's easy. And that's what tricks people, right, into giving you money, like you said, the 300 bucks. Yeah, I mean, that's a, if you've ever watched Stanhope or you've seen him live, you think he's just this kind of aimless drunk who's just kind of rambling and stuttering. That's a very a, – a persona mm-hmm. and, a, and, and an execution is very – I mean, he knows what he's doing. It's, it's, the, the tri- it's, it's like a magic trick. How does that happen? How do you make that happen, you know? Right. Well, they're so good and they're so easy, it makes it look practiced. So, well, look, yeah. Oh, go ahead, please. No, I was just, I was just agreeing with you, Benny. Okay. So, Dave, how would you, how would you uh, define your style or brand or image of comic? Are you a high energy comic or a low energy comic? Do you focus on certain topics or do you tell stories? How do you describe yourself? You know that I was just talking about that. It's a discussion I had with a friend of mine back in Kansas City, Grasshopper. It's like, what is our stage persona? And I would have to, I would have to ask him and come back and let you know because I don't know how. I mean, I'm just kind of, that's just my regular personality, which is sarcastic, uh, kind of smartassian, and uh, just amplified a little bit. So I don't know what that would fall under. I mean, I. I Honestly, I don't. I don't have an answer for you. It's not that I'm trying to avoid it. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think you are at all. I mean, you've been so open. It's funny because it, different people say different things. But again, the the comedians who I've interviewed, who I really have enjoyed their material, they all have a similar answer, which is I try to take 
myself and my life and turn it into something that's engaging and humorous. Uh, I had a guy in, uh, and I've, I repeat this almost every time I do these interviews, but there's a fellow, uh, Jeff Louise in Tampa, and we we're talking about writing jokes. And he said, if you're telling a joke that anybody could tell, it's probably not worth telling because it's not representative right. of you or your experience. So in some way, everybody I talk to says, hey, I want to take myself and put it out there in a way that's engaging or funny or new or whatever. Are you more telling stories on stage? Do you do more observational humor? Is there, is there a characteristic? Do you go the whole gamut? I think I think it's the whole gamut. I mean, my writing style has changed so much since I first started. Like I used to try to do word for word, but I'm a terrible, I, I'm terrible at memorizing stuff. So now I just kind of like outline ideas. And then I write, like today I was sitting in my office and I was like working on producing, you know, the next couple of episodes of my podcast. I was like, oh shit, here's premises. In my notebook, you'll see premise, 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 premise. And, it's just, and then, or maybe here's, here's like a tag or two within it, and then I'll go back and write it. And then, so I take like a bunch of these ideas and then look at what I'm working on at the time. Like today, I just hit, there was, I was thinking about some bits that I've been working on. And I'm like, holy shit, if I take this and change this, I can push this into this bit. So I end up creating chunks. It's like a Legos kit. Right. Like all of a sudden, you have like all these individual Legos kit and like, holy shit, I can make a big uh, starship or I can make a bunch of little starships. So those little starships kind of build into that big starship at the end of the day. It's a terrible analogy or metaphor. No, I, Dave, I, I'm going to Voltron, right? I mean, you know, we build the little ships and we combine them together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Super robot. It's definitely yeah. like, yeah, it's like the Voltron. And I, I don't do the nerd shit. I mean, you know, I, I'm sarcastic and, you know, you have to, I have to make my bits because I work a lot at like, some of these college towns. And so I'm a Gen Xer. And you got to relate to them somehow, and you can't just shit on everybody the whole time. So it's like, how can you make what they do seem really funny in a, in a way that's not too mean? Because, you know, no one likes to be. I'm not an insult comic or anything along that line, like a Don Rickles or anything. Sure. So do you say you perform for a lot of colleges or at colleges? Is that what you said? Or? Well, I mean, if I go down to Gainesville to perform, that's a big college town. If I'm in Tallahassee, that's a big college town. If I produce here, you know, it's a college town. So, I imagine and, you get some college kids up in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Georgia Tech. There's and, a couple of them around here. Georgia State or whichever one's right there downtown. So Sure. I guess, and I'm sorry to repeat the question, but to be specific, do oh, you no perform in college towns or do you perform at colleges? College towns. Okay. Because I'm curious about that, you know, performing at colleges. It seems like that's a great opportunity to people. However, there comes a lot of restrictions and, and you know, hey, we've got to do this kind of material and appeal to this and follow these rules. Um, so what you were saying is you've got to understand a way to, to relate to those Gen Xers and make it funny without having to be insulting or demeaning. Well, I, yeah, Gen Wires. Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. I oh, excuse me. Gen Xers. Yeah, but the, yeah. Yeah, the generational gap, you know, where you, you really should be coming your parents and you bitch about everything and the rap and roll is just too loud and blah, 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 blah. The kids and their cell phones, right? I mean, I think there's so much... <laughs> I think people can relate to it, but it just—that's become the "what's the deal with airlines today" kind of kind of bit. Right. So now I'm going to ask you all the same questions again, but about the podcast because that's something I've mm-hmm. never interviewed somebody about. But how did the podcast come about? Um, when I started doing stand-up, and we, you know, we talked about here's the secret. We pre, he pre-interviewed me. Um, like I. I thought the internet is a great place. Like, I, I, I there's a shoot. What's his name? Ah, oh, fudge. Anyway, you can uh, you can type this up so it sounds more like I have my shit together, Benny. But okay. 
the the internet was like a great place to like 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 say like the Nerdist, and there was the Stand Up Chronicles, and there sure. was all these people saying, "Hey, you do stand up comedy," and the Nerdist um, was saying, "Hey, anybody could do this, right? It's not limited to just you know the people from the Nerdist." And it's like, "Holy shit, they're correct." So that really inspired me, you know. And WTF had just started. Right. I listened to Mark Marin and listened to him kind of come out of that struggle. I'm like, this is really cool. I'd like to be a part of that. So I went out and bought the minimum requisite type of materials and any type of like, I mean, I'm, I think I'm tech savvy, but there's some audio stuff I'm not savvy with. I'm like, well, what materials can I get by? I did a little research and just started doing it. And also being in a university, having access to certain, you know, technology has been very helpful too. So it was just really a motivation by kind of like that DIY do-it-yourself mentality and also think it would be a good way to understand what you need to do as a stand-up comedy and also i think i like started interviewing a lot of kansas city comics like i got a lot of good chunk of them i was also getting the history of the kansas city comedy scene which was kind of cool at the same time i mean there's still a few people i'd like to get interviewed from there but i i I haven't got and I, i probably want to get back over time but as also i wanted to kind of chronalize that because there's a lot of people and there was kind of a scene at the time and it's kind of died down but there's been some funny motherfuckers coming from that area and there's still funny people out on the road but uh i'm glad to meet i think one of like one of my friends i've made out of it was uh, this guy oh shit. i hate it when you when you're on the on the spot aj finney right, right. <laughs> i've been able i've been able to be on the road he's been at like the laughing skull festival in san francisco and seattle so it's been able kind of like to have like i've got questions about something he's been a really good go-to person and um so, so was the motivation to 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 edu- educate yourself or make connections, or were you just excited about the, the idea of a podcast itself, or all of the above? Yeah. And, and there was the naive part, where like this is what's going to blow me up. And I think when you get into it, no matter how old you are, and I think I use this reference a lot. And I heard Jerry Seinfeld says, like, how long you've been doing stand up comedy is how you are like at human age. So if you've been doing it six months, think of yourself as a six month year old, one year, a one year old, two year old, two year old, so on and that. And you, oh, wow. you're sometimes, even if you're older, sometimes you're a little bit naive on what you view. I'm like, this is going to blow me up. Cause I had, you know, but in the long run, it's opened up a lot of doors and opportunities and I've gotten to meet a lot of great people, obviously technology, we wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, through the Twitter. Yep. So I, I, it's just, it's, it's kind of like crack in a lot of ways. Well, what's fascinating to me um, is the subjectivity of numbers. Um, uh-huh. and, and that's a weird thing to say, right? Cause numbers are finite, but how we interpret their meanings are very subjective. So I just did my biggest interview with a comedian named Kevin Lee, and he's been on Def Comedy Jam and HBO and he's opening at the Borgata this weekend and he's open for Wanda Sykes. And yeah, he was on America's got, or sorry, last comic standing. And, and he's got a really great pedigree and a lot of things he's done. Uh, and he was by far and away the most accomplished comedian I've ever interviewed. And he had 70,000 Twitter followers. And I was like, wow, you know, that's so many. And uh, we did the interview and I published it. And I think we're up to 40 or 50 listens for that interview because he was nice enough to promote it a couple times on his Twitter right. feed and tell people about it. And I was like, man, I am when- fucking – I am killing it. I am killing it, right? Right. And I look at your podcast, which I think, you know, on average has several hundred. I don't know the exact number, but hundreds of people that listen. I was like, oh, shit. You know, that's crazy. And then I listened to the end of – the uh, what was it? A grand adventure, the 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 most recent one that you put out there. A grand, uh, what was it called? What episode? I like, I just like. I'll tell, here's here's. I changed my naming nomenclature. I used to have like okay. a person, but now 
I just like whatever music I'm listening to as I'm kind of like getting it all together. I'm like, what's a cool sounding song that kind of relates to the title of the song? So these are like whatever weird. Oh, isn't that interesting? That I'm listening. So I just kind of like mix it up to again make it more. It's about me more than anybody, Benny. I'll be honest. Yeah. So it was the one where you talked about your goals for the year and you spliced in uh, part of the uh, closing comments from, oh, the, from the stand-up chronicles yeah the stand-up chronicles but what was crazy is in the closing comments of the stand-up chronicles he's like we get fifty thousand downloads a week <laughs> there's so there's so much uh you know uh, such a gap there or a delta i mean that's i guess so that's a long lead up to asking this question how did you go from being a guy that was like me that had no listeners or five listeners or ten listeners to a couple hundred a week and how do you think you get to those thousands a week do you have any um, insight into that or this, I got in, I think when I started doing podcasts, it was right, people, it was, and I had, Adam Harris, who used to run the stand-up conference, had, had this discussion multiple times when he, he um, when he was still doing stand-up comedy and hosting the weekly black podcast out of Peoria, Illinois. We both started, he, his, his was like two years ahead of mine, and then there's, you know, Jimmy Dore would been doing one before that, and oh, who else, uh, uh some other comedian that was out in LA from Chicago originally I've uh, been doing his and he's the one that charged like five bucks, 10 bucks a month to listen to it. Like certain people get ahead of, ahead of the curve. And that's kind of like the people that you look at. I got on mine right. as the wave started cresting. Mm-hmm. Like when Nerdist started blowing up, when Marin started blowing up, I got on like, right. Like two months before those really, everybody's like paying attention to all that shit. So I had novelty with that. A lot of comedians, comedians that would come through like in kansas city when i was doing it like sure i'll do it and compare that to like maybe two years later people like oh you've got a podcast too right if you've got like a new york or la comic um so the novelty wasn't there anymore because you didn't have to explain what it is or what what's involved what is a podcast is this live radio what can i say blah 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 everybody you know you always get what everybody and their mom has a podcast like true but so I think also mine, maybe my number, I've seen my numbers go up and to be honest with you, the novelty of it kind of wore off. And also like I was, there was a lot of people doing a similar style podcast. I kind of wanted to be like a poor man's Dick Cavett because I really like the Dick Cavett show. I love watching the reruns of those and jumping down the internet and so on and so forth. But Mark Marin, Joe, you know, Joe Rogan, fill in the blank persons already got name recognition they got a shit ton of followers i can never be able to that's not a competition those people are never going to kind of jump on my podcast so i kind of switched the focus to be kind of aimed towards young comedian starting out um and then i changed the more focus so i was burned out thinking about quitting so last year i spent every episode was like why am i still doing stand-up comedy made it that's why I oh, like, yeah. changed and made it more personal and less like hey when you're writing a joke, and, and also talking with Adam Harris, I, there's only so many times you can ask the same question of like, well, what is your process for writing a joke? Because there seems to be like, when you start out, like, what is the mystery? How do you make it funny? And once you kind of figure out, well, there is no mystery to it. You just got to do it and figure out what works for you. Then you're like, oh, okay, that makes those answers make more sense. But I wanted the podcast to grow. I wanted to grow because I was kind of feeling like I was in a routine and a rut. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, but you're, but you're throwing out so many. No, you, you've gotten so many great paths, though, that I'd love to explore with you. And I'm not sure which to go to first. But but here's 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 one I, I keyed in on. You said, uh, "Why am I still doing this?" And I want to I want to ask you something, and then I want to tell you something, and have you respond. But the thing I want to ask you is, 
What did you figure out? Why are you still doing it? Because I love doing it. There's a passion behind it. I like, I'm not playing in bands anymore. I, I loved practice when I was in a band. I love getting out there. I love the camaraderie. I've met some really cool people. Um, it's, this is a good break from reality. I mean, doing stand-up comedy, going out on the road, it's, it's sometimes as much as a pain in the ass. Is it, it, you, it's, it's a pretty cool thing to do. I've gotten to meet and talk to, and I'm friends with, some amazing people that I wouldn't have met, ever, ever been able to meet otherwise. So um, it's opened up opportunities. I think it's, you know, you've mentioned I'm a teacher. It's made me a better teacher because I'm more empathetic to understand what it's like to deal with some situations. Um, and it's a break from the routine. It's, and it's, it's one of those things not everybody can do it. And I'm not saying I'm the best. I'm far from the best. I'm not even at, like, fill in the blank. And, and, and that, but I like, and it's a challenge, too. I think that's some of the things you forget about because you tend to look at, and this is just from my perspective. I, I just want to put, like, an asterisk up here. This is just how I think. Yeah. You're going to find, like, like I, was, I was listening to your Kevin Lee episode because he was on my podcast, too, and I was listening to him. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 no, that's really good. But I think not to shit on what Kevin says, but it's going to sound like I'm shitting on it. He's speaking from somebody who's been doing this for 20-some-plus years. Right. So there's certain problems and things that are different. Like when he said that gal gets 1,000 email addresses, but that's the person who's been doing it 10, 15 years. Of course they're going to have that many email addresses. If you're Joe Schmo with an open mic, there's no fucking way you're going to have 10,000 emails. Are you going to, are you not going to want 10,000 people to know you do stand-up comedy because you still suck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the, the joke is like you invite your friends until they realize you suck, right? That, that, right. That, 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 that gets old after a while. They don't want to, like, this, are you funny is the question they'll ask you. So, um, I totally lost my train of thought. No, there. it's fine. That's I, how, and again, that's how I my think brain you, works. You, you nailed the question because my question wasn't why should other people do it. It was why do you do it? So I wanted, you I wanted your – like, This is what my comedy is like. I'm just all over the place. You kind of exhaust a topic and then run out of things to say yeah. and shift gears. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, just lose it. <laughs> no, so, but, but – What was but, your original but, question? I'm sorry. Like, you nailed the question, right? Why do you do it? And I think what, what I heard you say is, is it's a lifestyle, right? You make friends. You meet people. It's a challenge. There's the puzzle we talked about earlier. The one thing I'd add is, is for me and a lot of the other folks I talked to, those are the key drivers. And then also there's some type of artistic outlet where we think what we're saying or we're doing is – worth sharing we believe deep down inside you know freud said all artists are narcissists because we believe what we do is worth sharing with other people and so for me anyways there's there's that piece as well on top of everything else he said but when i started comedy i wanted to be friends with comedians because i thought well shit i like to laugh and those people are funny and they got good stories and they like to tear shit up and that sounds pretty good but conversely and, and this was the other side of it you know, when you start to ask the question, why do I do this or why do I continue to do it? Mm -hmm. I had a, like, this incredibly undeserved, awesome compliment experience coupled with a hard truth that I'm going to throw at you. And I really would All love right. perspective on it. So I was invited to do a show at a, uh, a paid show, you know, a couple months ago. And I've, I've not been doing this that long, you know, only about six months. But I was invited uh -huh. to do a paid show in rural Alabama for 20 bucks. And I drove there and nobody showed up. Right. Right. No. When I say nobody, I don't mean a couple people. I mean it was me and two other comedians, and nobody showed up. Uh, 
but the guy who owned the club was really nice. He's like, hey, we're running into some problems with promotion, location, we're having a hard time getting a liquor license and all this other stuff, but I'm going to open another club. And when I do, I'd really like you to come back. And I think that what I'm about to tell you, it was more of an offer out of him being polite and kind than anything that was earned. But he reached out to me a while ago and he said, I've got a new club. It's a nice club. It seats about 100 people. We've got a big show coming up. Uh, you know, we got our liquor license. We're bringing in crowds. I want to invite you to come for four days. Thursday through Sunday to perform. Uh, right. and you do, you know, one set on Thursday, two on Friday, two on Saturday, and one on Sunday. You can stay over and I'll pay you. And the amount of money he offered to pay me was not a lot, but it's a shitload more than I've ever been offered to do an open mic. Uh, right. It was more than he offered the first time. Uh, and I had a moment of panic. It was a real moment of panic because I have a full time job like you do, right? Where I work more than 40 hours a week and I travel a lot during the week. And then I had this incredible opportunity, which in many ways is everything I've been working towards and driving towards offered to me. And I was like, fuck one. I can't take it because of my work and travel schedule. I wasn't able to take it because I already committed to do something else. But two, even if I could, do I really want to be gone from my kids and my wife and my family for Thursday through Sunday after being gone, you know, Monday through Thursday even if I could, right, for the right. amount of money that's being put on the table. And the money's not the important part of this point. I don't deserve money. I mean, just from an experience standpoint, but it was a nice right. offer. But it's like, okay, if that's the truth and that's your immediate emotional reaction was terror and panic. Um, and the way it worked out, as I said, I can't do that, but I'd love to do Sunday. And he was nice enough to let me do one show. But why, why continue, right? So what's the fucking answer to that one, Dave? I think, like, after listening to the stand-up chronicles last episode and this is something i've been kind of doing too mm-hmm. is i'm at the i think we're pretty close in age and all i'm i'm 45 and, i'll tell you that you can right i just, turned, I just turned 45 last december okay um i just look damn young i've always had a baby <laughs> you, you look great i mean you look phenomenal i look great yeah. but uh i've been blessed with good genetics uh it, it's the question of like I remember playing in bands like in the 1900s and sleeping on a futon or crashing mm-hmm. on floors and eating shitty, you know, dr- uh, convenience store food was not like, it was no biggie. Right. But as I get older, I really like my, my comfortable ass bed. And um, the fact that, you know, I don't want to drink Bud Light or whatever shitty beer somebody offers me. I want to be able to drink whatever's in my fridge. And I've got a really nice whiskey and stock scotch collection. You know what I mean? Right. There's certain things, but what, what what Joe talks about is, like, where where do you see you at? He had an opportunity where he could go out in L.A. and he was living the dream. He was working on a on a yeah, He said Reno, show. Reno 911, huge TV show. No, it, it was uh, – uh, Oh, no, um, no, yeah, sorry. Not Brooklyn 999 or whatever. Yeah, excuse was, me. Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. So that's – you're thinking of, like, Comedy Central show that it's yeah. got under years ago. <laughs> but um, so – He's in, in questions of like, I'm really damn good at my job. I, I related to that when he says he was really good at his job and he feels like he's adding more to life than be able to work on Brooklyn 999 or whatever show that is. Um, so what, and it goes back to what do you, what is successful to you? I think one things like some road comics will give you shit if you're like a, a hobbyist or some people like mm-hmm. in Atlanta be like, you're taking my stage time, but everybody's goals and what they want to achieve is, is a lot different. And it's, it's hard to evaluate that. I think only you know what you want to do. I mean, if staying home with your kids is important to you, staying married, 
is important to you. You're going to make sacrifices. Staying married is nice, it turns out. <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, you, you make choices based on kind of what you what you want your quality of life to be. And right. ask yourself, does whatever bills you have is whatever you got offered of that, is that going to be able to cover what you want? Like, it's sure. not – like, I have a pretty good idea. I know what, you know, what certain comics make. And having been on the road, I know what – I mean – a friend of mine goes, hey, I was really, I did two weeks last year with Christine Levine, and some people are like, well, how do you make that happen? I'm like, we're, we're friends, you know, I booked the tour, you know, she wanted to get out, we wanted to do like a two-week tour of the South, and we hit Florida all the way, to Louisiana way back, to, you know, and did like a big loop and ended up in Tennessee, you know, I, I booked it, and, and just, again, connections through the podcast, and people have shows I've been on in the past, and it's she had a bad experience in the South due to a lot of weird circumstances. And I want to say, Hey, this is a pretty cool scene down here. I had a great time. You know, we're talking about doing some stuff for the summer. We're working on that. Um, but I mean, to be honest, I mean, it wasn't like the biggest money maker. If anything, I maybe broke even right. on that at the end of the day, maybe a little under, I, but I looked at it as almost like, uh, can I do this for one? Do I want to, would I want to do this if given the opportunity? But it was also a challenge. Like, does my shit work? And fill in the blank. I was in Oxford, Mississippi. I'd been, I'd never been to Oxford, Mississippi before. I don't know if my shit worked, but it worked. And you know, so it was a challenge. But a lot of people look at like those comedians and go, oh, they're successful. Yeah, they're successful because on the road. But monetarily, it's not. Not everybody's making Joe Rogan or Burt Kreischer or Bill Burr money too. I I can tell you. I don't. Know, Kevin talked about this last week. There's a lot of people that got a lot of credits that or living paycheck to paycheck. Oh yeah. So, so the sleeping on, is, sleeping on their mother's couch, I think is what he said. Yeah. Sleeping on your mother's couch. You know, I've had discussions with people like, oh, like, just like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this month, you know, type situation. And, and they're working constantly or they've, they've been on film, like uh, a late, they've got tons of late night credits and, or eight comedy specials, you know? And so I get the – if you're younger, you've got less to lose than if you get older too sometimes. Right. Well, you know, and it's funny. It's a blessing and a curse, right? Because I, I've built my first career up since I was 18. I've been in some form of sales, and I've got a nice life going here, right? I mean I have money. I got right. food. I can afford to you know, pay for things or promote things or hire people to do things for me. So that's wonderful. But at the same time, I'm like I can't walk away from – my life that I built with my children who need to eat and have a house and, you know, stuff like that, just to go earn 20 to 30 bucks a night, you know, at a loss to, to build a career. But at the same time, the thing I decided, and, and for me, and I'd love to get your perspective on this as well, is I said, one, stop fucking panicking and being a baby and freaking right. out. Somebody offered you money. It's a compliment. Uh, let's not give up on everything because you had an uncomfortable moment and try to work through it. And so what I decided is exactly what you said. What are my goals? My goal right now is to build a craft, right? It's not to make my living as a comedian. It's to make friends. It's to understand the business. It's to grow a web of connections and hopefully, you know, to get better at something that I'm fascinated by and I've wanted to do my entire life. And like you, I didn't commit to it until I was 45 or as you were much younger, I know. But I mean, right. um, but I, I wasn't 18 when I started doing this, right? And it was something I always wanted to do and never did. And like, oh, I should do that, I should do that. But like you, I was always telling – or unlike you, I always told people I was going to do it and never did it until I was in my 40s. So I decided not to panic, to continue to focus on the basic things of building this podcast, learning about the business, trying to develop the art. And if someone offers me money and I can take it, that's great. And if I can do it for break even or at a minor loss, that's great. And if I can't, 
I won't. And that way it allows right. me to stay in this and continue to move forward instead of saying, oh, fuck it, I'm out. Which is, uh, I don't know, I tend to, I don't know if I'm the only comedian that does this, I tend to react, react uh, irrationally sometimes. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not, uh, I, no. It's not I unique human, to me. It's not, it's not, I think I, I see college students do it. I see, we all do it. That's just nature of the beast. Right. So believe it or not, we're, we're coming up on our time, but I, I don't want to end yet because I get so many other questions. So do you get like another five minutes? We could, we could keep going. I do. Okay. Sure. So we talked about the podcast and how you built the podcast. And it sounds like, you know, you kind of hit that mid tier of hundreds, right? Instead of thousands of people, but you're getting a pretty consistent thing. We've talked about your booking and you're, you're traveling around and doing these different shows on, on an ongoing basis. How do you right. promote, like from, t- from a tactical standpoint, how do you promote your projects. I know you're very active on social media. Don't want to forget to ask you about um, uh, bad advice for new comics. What what is it? Hashtag. Right, yeah, yeah. Hashtag. Fake advice for new comics. Yeah, fake, fake advice for new comics. comics. So how you know is that? Here, I'll th- say a couple things. You can respond to whatever you want. Fake advice right. for new comics is that part of your your branding and promotional plan, or how do you promote yourself, build an audience, pe- make people aware uh, of what you're doing? I don't know. When I hear brand, I kind of turn a little inside. Okay. I just because. I, I I say that just because it's just like my my punk rock roots. That's all that okay. thing is. I, it's like like. Well, Dave, let, let, me, let, Dave, let me let me no, 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 the hold. question. Wait, wait, wait. How have you sold out? How have I sold out? Well, <laughs> I, well I sold out. I I realized at a point that I needed health insurance, yes. and um, like doctors' visits are expensive, yes. but um. And we all sell. We all have a number. It's Churchill, and that the whole joke is now, ma'am, we're arguing price is the punchline to it. Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> we all have a price. I tell my students that. I go, hey, you want to buy a grade? I do have a price, but I'm not cheap. Right. I don't think you can afford that. Um, if I'm going to get fired for something doing something, it's going to be for a lot. It, it's got. It's got. It's got to be worth my time. I read. I read, a, a, like, I read a quote said, yeah. "You might as well hang for a sheep as a lamb." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. Yeah. I need a golden parachute here. And I, That's uh, right. That. But, um, I don't. So back I'm to the brand. Motivated. That was just a joke, right? The brand. No, How do you no, no, brand? No, I get, How do you promote? Promote. I just. I'm not motivated necessarily. I like the artistic part, and I know that sounds real cheesy and hippy dippy and antithetical. No. Like you still use punk rock, but if I don't like what I'm doing, my parents, anybody, if I'm not into it, I'm not going to do it. Whether regardless whether it's financially or it's got to have personal weight to it. I have to feel like I'm getting something from it. I enjoy it. I think like the fake advice in your comics is a good writing exercise because I've been doing it for shoot. Oh shit. I have to go back four years, maybe five years, maybe four years. And, um, you know, at least come up with like four or five ones a week, unless I'm on vacation or I'm on the road somewhere, you know, uh, be able to do it. It's a good daily writing exercise on top of like, I'll tweet my friend or text my friend, some stupid, like, stuff. I'm not going to repeat in public cause it's like super offensive. Like, this randoid thought in my head that I think is funny, mm-hmm. but um, it's got tied into the brand because I'm like, you know what? I could just record this. I had somebody do kind of a little intro bumper thing for it, and I'm like, I just do one every week with the podcast on one that kind of like if somebody sent one in that I thought was real funny or something, I thought, oh yeah, this really resonated. Got a lot of traffic and a lot of discussion things. So if I feel like I never thought it was resonating because it never got like a lot of likes or retweets. But when I, when I'm on the road and I run across people and I go, you do that podcast, you do the fake advice. Like I just like, what is it? Uh, uh, Tom Wilson just 
retweeted and favored one of my like uh, uh, fake advice, and I, he, we don't even follow each other, but I just thought that was over the moon because like Biff from Back to the Future liked it. Was, <laughs> you know, my inner my inner like holy shit, Biff liked it. You know that I mean, so it's it's getting some weird traction, and then like on the Facebook that creates discussions where people also get a little bit of snarky. And it's just, it's this fun thing. And, you know, it's kind of a back of the room thing. It's kind of like how the sausage is made. And, and, and that's kind of also in, in line to what the podcast, if you want to talk about the brand or is it's, it's an advice. What are things that, you know, and it's same along yours, just not as like, you're talking more like the business end of it. I tend to be, I mean, I talk about the business end to a little bit of extent, but it's much more existential. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are you in this? Um, like I talked about, like, that episode what's your goals why do you do this because you know not everybody's going to be a bill burr or joe rogan or a uh you know fill in the blank uh, you are right if there's if you could name a hundred comedians and you study this but you could probably sit down and name a hundred there's thousands that you can't right right and if you and if you have you read cliff nefterhoff's book that came out last year the comedians no i have not I mean, it, it goes through. I'm like about ha- I've I've had it for about seven months. I'm about halfway through. I've been able to get to it, but it's like you look at the history. And look how many people have been doing stand-up comedy since its kind of inception as the art form. It's fascinating amongst itself. Like, oh, and how many people kind of had their blips in time pre to whatever we have right now? Is this? I'm fascinated by that as well. The history of it all. Yeah. So, what are the things that that you think torpedo because I, I think we all have met and I've in my short time doing this I've met people that are just so fucking funny I mean just in a conversation cracking wise they get up on an open mic or in front of a small group they're so funny you laugh and laugh and laugh um, but they don't make a career out of it or they don't stay or they torpedo themselves and I've heard heartbreaking stories too when I've asked these questions I, from people but what what ends the careers or I, can, I can think of like I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. There, no, that's it. Um, nope, that's it. I can think of a lot, a handful of people, particularly like, God damn, they are so funny. What the right. fuck? It, it, first off, you know, success in, in the in the entertainment industry, it's not it's not egalitarian. There's no rhyme or reason to why certain people blow up, why certain people don't. You know, um, it's not the funniest person that becomes the most successful. It's not the funniest person that becomes the most rich. Um, it's kind of lightning in a bottle. I could think of one people like maybe they're just doing, they're just a hobbyist. That's all they want to do. Mm-hmm. They're at the level where they're successful at. And then, that, and that's fine with them. Maybe it's a personal choice on why they, they're not going on. Um, sometimes it's, it's poor life choices people make. Yeah. Um, put themselves in situations that like they, I, People are, are not successful despite themselves, right? They have all the tools. They just keep fucking up. Um, maybe they get, you know, and this is the cliche thing, the drugs and alcohol thing, you know? I mean, people want to emulate the people, the stars out there, and you, you see them, and, and that's what they want to do, and the power to them, and, and then maybe there's a high attrition rate i mean think of how many people you started out with in your comedy class and if, if you if you're doing this and, and like usually i was told like the third year is the really the big turning point where the people decide whether they're going to continue to do this i can name yeah. four or five people maybe they're still doing stand-up comedy and three of them probably aren't doing it on as regular basis as i am i i never took a class did you um i took a class i took a class because i thought it would be a way to get some work because I was when I moved down here, I was doing MC work, getting a lot of guest spots, and I wasn't the greatest. And it was, you know, 
but I went to it and it just didn't pan out. Right. So, um, and I, I it, it worked out for the better. Um, and I'm, and, but, uh, I, I had a, I had an ulterior motives behind it. And, and then when I saw how it was working, I was like, oh yeah, this is not going to work, but I'm going to ride it out just for the experience. Okay. So would you, for, for new comedians, would you advocate a class or is it kind of a waste of time in your opinion or what are your thoughts? Um, it, it depends on your goals. Like I, I think most people that are, are like people see this as like a quick way to jumpstart and get you into it. Yeah. If that, if that's what you, if that's what you need, I'd, why is it, it's not for me to shit on. I know right. Doug Stanhope, when Kyle sees like Kyle sees, I don't know if you've read about it, heard about it, and, and, and used to run these classes. Jesus, it was four or five, six years ago. I wrote an article. I wrote an academic article about it. I can, I'll, I'll, if you send me your email, I'll email you the article if you want to read it. Absolutely. Um, Kyle Cease did a whole comedy thing and there were different tiers. You could pay like 200 here or you could do 500 or you could do like the gold packages, like I don't know, 15 or 1200. I don't know. I'm just kind of randomly throwing these numbers out. It was making certain guarantees and it seems to me taking advantage or making promises that aren't necessarily true because I think there's a certain old school mentality of like, you can't teach funny. You can't make these promises. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it was like, a, it was like a, like it was a cult, like a Scientologist. You're not a Scientologist, are you? Uh, no, but I'm fascinated by the topic. We could do a whole oh, hour I am on too. that. Yeah. <laughs> before, before we were, before we were talking, I was watching YouTube videos on Scientology, but I mean, he was making way bigger promise than, than, you know, that like you could get a career or just come from a, like a trade. Wait, 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 ask me, uh, ask me if I'm a Scientologist again. Are you a Scientologist? No, but my thetans are off the fucking charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an SP. I'm an SP. I just let you know. Um, we may need to disconnect here, Benny, but, um. So like 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 a class. You hear a lot of comedians like, well, I took a class because I didn't know, right? And, yeah. and that may be the gateway into, into networking. And like the people that I was in the class with, I'm you know I'm still friends with and, and stuff like that. And and I get it. Everybody takes it for different reasons. I think we kind of comedians get this homogeneous like it's it's very black and white, and life is not that way. But it's a lot easier to view it and shit on people who do take comedy classes. And you know. People maybe take it and realize this is not what it, it's supposed to be. I'm not going to do it, but you know, I'll, it's I'll helping applaud, me with my public speaking. I'll applaud anybody that takes any action to do anything, right? Because if you want to be a comedian and you take a class, God bless you. If you, you know, it, 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 the thing you said that it's not shameful to me because I eventually did it, but you know, I wanted to do stand-up comedy for 40 years, and I made. Mm-hmm. excuses not to do it for 40 years, right? No, what if I get heckled? I'm too busy. What if I'm not funny? Blah, 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 blah. I never took any action. And I took action and, and maybe it was the right time for me. And I just had a wonderful experience and time and learned a lot and intending to continue doing it. But anybody takes action, I, I'll applaud them towards a goal. And if it's the wrong choice, they say, oh, fuck, that was a mistake. And they move on. But I've just always fascinated, you know, that's a big argument, right? Should you take a class? Shouldn't you? Is it a good use of your time? Is it, probably just do whatever you want as long as you're doing something, right? As long as you're I moving mean, forward. I mean, you go into an open mic and talking to people like, hey, I'm really interested. It's like people, for the most part, people are really good. Like you go up to the MC of the club, like you, the laughing skull. If yeah. you went and talked to some, like the, one of the MCs up there, I'm pretty sure they would say, oh, well, this is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. Probably be really helpful and give you some advice. They're like, I think Laugh School does offer classes up there. Like, if you're really interested, you're this or that, or maybe getting in contact with some other people. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a certain, there's a lot, there's a social aspect to it. And, maybe they, and, maybe and they so, give out our podcasts. 
maybe maybe they would. I mean, I, I, I know, I know, like I know, Laughing Skull used to do a podcast. I don't know if they still do it anymore. I mean, I haven't, I haven't paid attention in a long while. But I mean, and there's so many resources out there for people if they really want to do it. Like, there's you don't have to go. You know, there's a million podcasts out there. There's no gatekeeping of this. Like, you know, and Doug sure. Stanhope wrote a kind of like a satirical kind of like Kyle Cease's class, and, and my articles that I wrote that got published in a journal was like rhetorical analysis of like Stanhope's approach versus uh, 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 Kyle Cease's approach, but in which he was more successful in making the argument for taking classes versus not taking classes. But I agree with Stanhope, like go to a bar, ask a touring comic, Kevin Lee will sit down and tell you, this is what's going on. And Kevin Lee, I was listening to it. He's like, he's friends with Martin Lawrence. Like he started the DC scene with Martin Lawrence. He knows yeah. like the fat doctor who, who was like basically Martin Lawrence's, you know, coach when it comes to stand-up comedy. Right. Um, he he probably knows Pat Oswell who started in that area too. So there's He's, a lot of those He seems comics. to be very tight with uh, Wanda Sykes. Wanda Sykes and uh, yeah. so there's, I mean, it's it's very incestuous. So when you you want to talk about choices you make is like I've performed. I've been up there. I got I got introduced to Kevin Lee through my buddy Wayne Manigo, who I met through my podcast. Mm-hmm. So it is a it's a really small world when you get down to it. Even though Kevin Lee is not a household name. Everybody, you know, everybody, a lot of people know who he is. Or but, you know, he's, I mean, he is, he has achieved a level of success that is, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, orders of magnitude beyond 99% of the people. I mean, he's doing a room, he's doing the Borgata for four days this week, right? That's, they're paying him real money to do that. He's on TV, he's touring, he's doing specials. So, I mean, it's funny, again, like you said, we talked about this before, name all the household name comedians you can. You know, there's a hundred or less, and then there's yeah. everybody else. We're just thousands, and there's all these people that are not household names that are making a living, that are just but, uh, amazing. You know. But when we say household names, and this is a discussion I've had with friends, and mm-hmm. if I'm good and long in the two of us talking here, no. the only reason they're household names is because you're a comedy super fan, right? Go uh, to maybe, any, yeah, right, right. You, yeah, you you could like go, oh, I know who the um the twin brothers are. I'm totally drawing a blank. They're from St. Louis. The uh the uh, uh the Scalar brothers. You right. know who Wanda Sykes? Are. You know blah blah blah. You know Bill Burr. But if you were to go on campus and be like, hey, and I'd say, or walk anywhere in line, go, who's Bill Burr? People are like, who the fuck is that? They're right. not gonna know. They're gonna know Larry the Cable Guy, mm-hmm. or Roseanne Barr, or you know somebody who anybody Jerry said a Seinfeld. TV show. Right, you gotta have a yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, Jay Leno, fill yeah. in the blank. But we say household. Household to us is gonna be different than how, like a civilian, That's, so to speak. But well, again, it's subjectivity, right? You know, you're yeah. you're absolutely right. So, with that said, we got the the game coming up, and I know you got to go to the to the um to the gym. I'm gonna ask you uh, for a commitment to do another one of these at some point in the future because I don't think we've covered twenty percent of what we could talk about. Um, I would be more than I'd be more than happy to. Do. I I get all over the place, Kevin. You got, I'm like wrangling cats. <laughs> Beyond that, though, just kind of as a final word. I mean, what's the thing I didn't ask you about that I should have, or what is the final piece of advice you'd give to to oh. new comedians or even established comedians that just want to grow their business? I mean, here we go. Here's the new comedians because I can't. Uh, can I say two things and then? Yeah, no, take your time, buddy. Take your time. The the best advice I ever got when I first started out. I think I was like there's got to be a rubric on what it is to success and be funny. And as a comedian, I can't say Mike Smith, who's been on BET. He's got credits and blah, blah, blah. He works at the improv all around the country. 
they said this was maybe like a year a year or so in. I said, Mike, and this was it when I was at my home club in Kansas City. I said, what's and I was getting right. I was asking also for a podcast interview down the road. Um, I said, I go, what's the key? To, I mean, what is it? What do you need to know to be a comedian? He said, what are some what are some tips you can give me? He said, just be funny. And when I first heard that, and I've said this many times, like on my podcast too, I said, I was like, oh, man, fuck you. That does not help me at all. That makes no goddamn <laughs> sense. I didn't say this out loud because I didn't want to be disrespectful because right, right. he's a veteran comic. You know, he's doing what he's making, you know, so on and so forth. He's got credits and I don't. Year two goes by, and I kind of reflected on that. And I was like, that totally makes more sense. Year three, every year, and I talk to my buddies back home about that, talking about for Grasshopper. We go, oh, that totally makes more sense. It's one of those things you say is the more you do this, the more it kind of makes sense, and your experiences kind of shade what is that to do to, to do it. And then also, I think you you listen to podcasts, and I think like I've listened to like four or five of your episodes. I think your guests bring some really great perspectives and ideas. Thank you. And you, you really ask a lot of good questions, and I think you're filling a gap. I was just thinking about this. Is you're filling in a gap that, that, that what the stand-up chronicles used to do, asking the who, what, where, when, and why, and you're kind of doing that in a little bit of a different way. But you got to figure it out on your own way. You can't mimic what other people do, and people are going to give you advice, and it's going to be shit advice because it works for them. It doesn't work for you. And so there's no one way to do it. It's what works best for you, and it depends on what your goals are. Well, you know, I'll, pig- I'll piggyback off that. I, I got a degree in creative writing a long, long time ago. And I remember a professor saying once, you know, how do you teach someone to be a good writer? He said you encourage them to keep going because you can't teach yeah. someone how to be a good writer, but you can, can encourage them and give them some advice or tips. You encourage them to keep going because the good ones will go anyways, and they'll keep going. They'll get better. And the bad ones, they might keep going and improve. So all you can do is just keep doing it, keep practicing, keep trying, and hopefully it leads to something, man. So listen, I mean, I'm – oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I say oh. you want to say the one key thing is success is you look to everybody who is successful more times than not. And I think Bo Burnham is the exception to the rule. The dude's crazy talented, and he's not just, he wasn't just an internet uh, sensation. But it's stick-to-itiveness. Yeah. You look at any of the – Rogan, Burr, Stanhope. Filling the blank. They've been doing it a long, long time. And they've gotten better over time. Right? Yes. Well, listen, I, this was awesome. And like I said, I, I, I'm going to hold you to the commitment to do another one of these in a couple months, Dave. Uh, I'm so grateful. I've learned a tremendous amount. Hopefully, the people who listen have learned as much as I have and, and that you enjoyed this. And uh, I can't wait to see you perform. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. I, I really do appreciate it, man. I look no. forward to coming back. No problem. Let's repeat these things a couple more times just so everybody's got you. They can find you on Facebook at Comedy Agogo. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, type Comedy Agogo because Dave Nelson's like a really super common name. I'm on yep. Twitter at hey underscore snowflake. Yep. Uh, my Instagram is just the professor. Typing Comedy Agogo on any type of search engine, I'm going to pop up there. I've really embedded and hyper, you know, done all the search engine stuff properly. To, to be the number one ranking on all the search engines. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be at uh, Bird's Oyster Shack in Tallahassee on Wednesday. You're going to be at the back porch in Pensacola on Friday, a house party in Alabama on Saturday, and I'm sure you'll post all the yep. details on that. Yep. And uh, what did I forget? Anything else? I do have a YouTube page that I occasionally post stuff to. I've neglected that one over time, to be honest. I, okay. have, I have a video. The last thing I posted was a video I did when I was last time I was at the Oyster Shack dealing with the heckler. And it was, you know, 
It was one of the happy endings, so don't go <laughs> fuck you or anything like that. And most importantly, listen to Dave Nelson's uh, podcast, Comedy A Go Go. Oh, yeah. And find him on Twitter at Hey Snowflake. Hey underscore Snowflake. How, how did you and come up podcast. with that name, by the way? Yeah. Uh, that's just what I call students. They're snowflakes. They're special. So it was just, <laughs> hey, snowflake. Kind of pat. I mean, it goes with the tone of my voice. It sounds my, like, my like, like a creepy scene in a movie where someone meets a girl at a bus station. But I'm, I'm not here to judge you, Dave. <laughs> I'm not that creepy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks, dude. Oh, no talk, problem. Thank you, Benny. Talk soon.